it, it's about engagement, right? Like uh, trying to get someone's attention and get them to stare at a screen for maybe hours at a time. Maybe it's a four, six, eight hour event that you'd normally run offline. How do you, how do you bring that into the virtual world? Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Agnell, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Hi there, and welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. First off, hope you're all staying safe. There are some encouraging news uh, coming in from around the world as we flatten the curve, protect our frontline workers, and buy time to work towards a health solution via the treatment or ultimately a vaccine. So, Hope you and yours are staying safe and healthy during this uh, radically new time. It certainly is a radically new time. We are finding that how we connect, how we communicate, how we lead, how we inspire is changing by the day. And if you don't know, we were running a free webinar series and there's one happening the week of May the 14th on authenticity. You can watch it. And if you're hearing this later, it's probably on our website for free to re-listen to. So I encourage you to check that out. But as we think about changing how we communicate, one of the fundamental interactions of business, the conference, is likely to be changed until there is a cure or a vaccine for corona. And what will it look like? I, I, I speak memory when I think back to some amazing people who I've met at conferences, some amazing experiences I've had, like when I attended the Fred Leadership conference. This is a conference on the future of executive education. And not only had the chance to meet some brilliant people in my field, but also to go into communities, see challenges they were grappling with, discuss leadership with them, and think differently about the work that I, I do. So what will conferences look like when we're not traveling, when we're not getting together in large crowds? Well, there are virtual conferences, and they're not just a virtual version of what we've been doing, but they're really different experiences of connection. And to look more at what they would be like, but also what it takes to be successful in speaking at one, I was pleased to welcome Liam Austin on my podcast. He's an Aussie living in Malta, and he joins me to talk about the business that he had built, perhaps uh, with great foresight years ago, hosting virtual conferences. Hope you enjoy my podcast today with Liam Austin. I'd like to welcome my guest today, Liam Austin, to the Inspire Podcast. Joining me all the way from Malta, Liam, welcome to the podcast. Bart, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, I'm coming from a little island in the Mediterranean, just south of the crisis center of Europe, which was uh, the epicenter of Italy, just south of Sicily in uh, this little island of about 400,000 people. And so, yeah, it's a little isolation pot of, of its own. For those listening, they may be able to pick up the fact that your accent, though you are calling us from Malta, your accent is from another slightly larger island. You're an Aussie, I take it, originally. 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an Aussie born and bred in, in Sydney, but my partner, Sarah, she's uh, Swedish. So that brought us across to Europe. You know, for those you know who don't know you, you're I'll describe you as a virtual event strategist. And you probably were ahead of the curve because I know you started this business of doing virtual summits and online event hosting some years ago and um, working with a lot of entrepreneurs. And I know you brought you know, over 100,000 business owners together, 400 speakers. So you really were very advanced in terms of thinking about the power of virtual connection. So it's great to have you on to talk about that because I know right now so many people who used to work face-to-face are are faced with working through Zoom, working through uh, remote ways of connecting and wondering how do we do it right? And that's why it's great to have you on the podcast today to talk about what success and excellence looks like in this world. Yeah, cheers, mate. It's definitely something I've been living and breathing. This is these virtual events have been my life since 2015. Uh, we've personally hosted, uh, more, I've personally hosted uh, 17 of these virtual conferences. So when I say that, 20 to 40 speaker events uh, across multiple days, three to five days, hmm. even up to 10 days in some cases. So I've tried wow. and tested a few things myself as, as well as for clients. So excited to, to share some of those experiences with everyone. Yeah. So let, let's go back to, you said uh, you started in 2015. What, what was the genesis of this uh, virtual event business for you? LinkedIn was the, the catalyst to all of this. I created a group in 2008 called the Small Business Network, mm-hmm. uh, which has grown into the largest group on LinkedIn for small business owners. Uh, and in 2015, we were running small webinars whenever someone kind of reached out to us to do a targeted training for our group on LinkedIn. And I started to notice that there was a trend uh, where LinkedIn as a topic uh, for these webinars, we're getting the most uh, interest, the number, most number of registrations. And then if uh, the the presenter of the webinar was actually selling something at the end, we were converting them at the, the highest uh, mm-hmm. compared to other topics we were covering. And I realized then that, you know, we're getting a trickle of registrations, uh, 100 maybe if we were lucky, lucky on a weekly basis, uh, and then it would kind of dry up. And I, I thought that, you know, we, we can see that LinkedIn there's a demand for more information on this. Why don't we bring together all of the experts, all the top influencers who are generating leads from LinkedIn and growing their business off the back of this platform together in a conference that we run virtually. At the time I was I was in Australia, uh, most of our audience uh, with the LinkedIn platform in that group were in the US and, and still most of our audience are in the US today. And I realized that it would be great if we could just bring together these the, the 35 uh, top experts on LinkedIn to share their number one strategy for prospecting on LinkedIn and taking leads off LinkedIn to actually convert into, into clients uh, for their business. So that's really where it, where it started. We, we started with that LinkedIn group and started testing with webinars and then realized that let's do this as an event and what happened out of that was we got higher conversion rates. So people who were considering, you know, attending one of our webinars versus this 35 speaker event that was happening, like there was a much more attractive proposition to be attending this free 
online conference versus like a, a one-person webinar. It was something like that fear of missing out was there. It was this uh, festival uh, that was happening because that's how we marketed the event. It was at a festival, something exciting experience that people were going to be able to attend. And and also the, the, the idea of positioning a virtual conference against uh, an in-person conference, which would normally cost you know, a few hundred dollars, maybe a few thousand dollars just to a, a, attend and grab a ticket. But then plus you've got to get your accommodation there. You've got to maybe fly and travel to that destination. You've got to pay for uh, food and drink costs while you're there as well as time away from the family. And all of those costs uh, as an attendee were eliminated with, with a virtual event. So it's a, it was a much higher conversion rate for those virtual events. Obviously, we can't travel anymore. We can't stay in hotels. And so people are now saying, oh, my gosh, you know, now I'm I'm doing virtual by default. And I think, you know, the, in talking with a lot of our clients, this, the comments are, well, it's working, but, you know, it's it's just not the same. It's kind of a, a cheap facsimile. And, and my thought is that it can be, you know, whether you're doing a meeting or attending a conference or hearing a speaker. Yes, it, it can be. But there are also ways that it can be exceptional. And that's, that's what I want to delve into with you. So let me start with, with the question, your experience, when you look at the difference between a virtual summit and a real life summit, what stays the same and what's different? It really interesting question. And it really depends on, you know, the type of event you're, you're running offline. Is it a free event? Is it a paid event? If it's a paid event, is it, you know, 10, $20 to attend, or is it, you know, thousands of dollars and you can move these events in the even the thousands of dollar events ten thousand dollar events into a virtual experience uh, for people and it does look very different though i mean people might be shocked hearing that but yes it does have to look uh, very differently sorry but, just to jump in there and share our experience you know as a, as a leadership development firm you know, if we just try and replicate small group training, like let's say we do a two-day course and then we do that virtually, it's it's just not going to work. And so we say the experience, you know, for example, we take that course and we'd split into six modules. We'd have pre and post multimedia. We'd have social. And so it's it's a different, it's a genuinely different experience of how you learn. So I imagine that's what you're getting at here too, um, that it's not just a kind of a put it online uh, model, right? No, because you just think about the experience itself of being in person. You've, you've, you know, traveled to this conference meeting room to attend this event. You've made that commitment. There's no other distractions when you're in that room. You're you're totally focused, right? There's there's other kind of um, social aspects around you that uh, focuses your attention at the the front of the room or the speaker or or whatever's going on. And, and these are the types of elements we want to bring into the online world, like uh, the accountability aspects of, okay, shut off all distractions. Yes, you're at home. Maybe the kids are, are knocking on the door trying to get in, uh, but you really have to you know, block off this time, block off any type of distractions as an attendee. And how do you, how do you uh, facilitate that? Uh, or encourage that as as the host, and and these types of elements, the especially the accountability side of things, uh, is really important. Okay, what else is important to uh, kind of replicate, but that's different? I like this accountability piece. It, it's about engagement, right? Like uh, trying to get someone's attention when uh, and get them to stare, stare at a screen for. 
maybe hours at a time. Maybe it's a four, six, eight hour event that you'd normally run offline. How do you how do you bring that into the virtual world? Well, like I think it's about people's attention spans. So if we're going to have them concentrate and be paying attention and looking at a screen. How do we split up uh, these times to make it interesting, make it appealing, make um, building this accountability? Uh, so, for instance, what we could look at is um, setting up different time periods or, or different blocks where uh, maybe the the first half an hour block is training happen uh, occurring from an expert speaker, and it may be say a presentation. Then the the second half an hour block will be. A Q&A where the audience is able to ask questions uh, to the to the speaker. And then maybe perhaps the third block is um, people being paired off or, or grouped together for an assignment or, or a workshop where maybe there is some accountability built in where if, you know, you weren't paying attention, uh, you're not going to be letting your, your group down uh, and other people around you. Uh, so that's something that you, you might want to build in. And then there's also a time for a break because, you know, our eyes are not necessarily used to just staring at a screen for hours and hours on time. So maybe there's a 30 minute break that comes next where you, people can get up, grab a, grab a water, grab a drink, go to the bathroom and so on. So I'm hearing that for the engagement, you know, a couple of things I'm hearing first is that you really have to have kind of differentiate experiences. Like in a, you know, you think about a conference where you go and just sit in a conference listening to a series of speakers for a half day, I'm hearing that's not working, that you've got to have these tight blocks of content. Is that, is that a fair comment? Yeah. And, and with, with the virtual event, there can even be, if it's, if it's a workshop, uh, maybe there's a, there's a shared resource. Um, someone is in the Google uh, doc and everyone has access to that and everyone's sharing notes and commenting and, and creating a, an amazing resource uh, that people can all contribute to and also take away from that event as well. So there can be conversations going on with the with the notes uh, within, within Google Doc during the presentations, but even long after the event as well, it can be used as a resource to connect with um, your other uh, attendees at the event. But yeah, you want to just, just use tools that we have access to now, such as Slack, uh, you know, everyone's got a webcam now, whether it's on their mobile phone or or their uh, computer. I mean, turn that on, get a good microphone. Uh, in, like there, there's got to be some introduction. Uh, people may not be confident, right, uh, speaking or, or being on camera. Uh, so maybe there's some challenges that you'll you'll need to overcome. And, and maybe it's the tech setup uh, and in maybe doing a, a test run or a, a kickoff event which really may be just the opportunity for people to come on and feel comfortable about being on camera and and finding out what your event's going to all be about yeah i never would have thought about that i mean you think about people if you come to a conference you're probably comfortable being there but if you come on camera it's it's a whole different kind of set of stresses you know and your setup and your tech and i've noticed you know now that we've been doing a lot of zoom that when you're in large group zooms like kind of the brady bunch squares you know people are very reluctant to comment uh, right away. So how do you get that engagement? You mentioned, you know, you, you might have a keynote speaker and then you have a Q&A with them. What's the key to getting people to interact? Uh, I'll say that word again, like accountability. But w- w- what does that mean? How does that look like in this scenario? Well, maybe it's just like, okay, let's uh, let's get everyone to kind of do a, get into groups, uh, feel comfortable to just 
interact in a three or four person group where everyone introduces themselves and says hello for a few minutes before we come back to the main stage. I mean, it doesn't have to be something that is overwhelming where you see, you know, if if there's an event with hundreds of people or even thousands of people there and you have to, you know, introduce yourself, maybe that is a bit overwhelming. So it's about taking baby steps and just uh, getting people to have a bit of fun, maybe throwing a bit of competition elements to it where there might be all right let's all work on this task and and come up with a name for our group and we all discuss the the names of uh, our existing businesses and then we kind of mash them together to come up with our own uh, group name and then we we announce that group name to the to the whole uh, event conference attendees and just just little things like that that can just spur a little bit of, of fun uh, interactivity uh, because it needs to be an experience and it needs to be enjoyable you have to kind of almost like go through a design process where you think about the experience for the person going through and how to create this, this interactivity. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've made over the time that you've been doing this that you've now learned from that others can learn from as well? Yeah, this is, this is a great question. And it's, it's something that I see happening again and again. And even with uh, a lot of the people and, and companies coming online now and trying to replicate their, their offline events online is that they they haven't really strategized and, and thought out the the, the whole process and the, and the structure of how their event will work online and what's the best experience for that. Uh, where it ultimately starts is what is the end goal? So with the, the typical events that we run, we like to host uh, free events where the free ticket gives people access to all the speaker sessions, but then there's also like a VIP or an all access pass where people can get a more private VIP experience as part of that event and also post the event as well. So there's an upgrade involved in that. Uh, but the idea of the free event is to generate as many leads as possible. So as many new potential prospects for our business. And so what kind of prospects do we want? So we're thinking about, yeah, what is that end goal in mind? What is that uh, main product or service or program that we want to sell off the back of that? this? What is that? Has it been validated? Uh, is it a new program? Well, let's go away and validate that first. Make sure there is demand for this offer right now. And then we reverse engineer the funnel. So we work our way back from that and say, okay, well, designing and crafting this event, how do we do it in such a way that uh, we will attract our ideal clients for that end offer? We build rapport with them. So we build uh, our know, like, and trust factor with those attendees across uh, the, the virtual event so that by the time the end of the event has occurred, they've really got to, to know me, we've built rapport, they, they like what we're doing and we've, we've talked about this major problem that they have and how it can be solved and then naturally being gravitated towards uh, the solution uh, that we're providing which is that end a high ticket product or service and then we're, we're putting people into that funnel uh, which might be a series of emails uh, could be a webinar in there as well or other types of virtual events maybe it's a phone call or one-on-one strategy session to convert people into that high ticket offer so number one takeaway I think that I want everyone to walk away with uh, is think about the end goal in mind think about what is that high ticket offer that we have and maybe it's a 10k plus when I'm thinking about high ticket offer 10k plus might be a service that people pay thousand dollars a month to get access to uh, whatever it may be 
uh, but think about what that end goal is in mind and then we work our way back to design the positioning the naming the target audience for our events what was the maybe this is a funny question but what was the least successful event you ran and why yeah, there's there's uh, there's been a couple, and, and that's kind of the, the fun thing about hosting several of these events uh, a year is that we do get to test and try different things. And uh, over the last what five years, I've hosted pretty much four events uh, a year, uh, multi you know twenty to forty speaker conferences, multi days, and so we've we've tested across a few different topics that weren't necessarily the right fit for our existing audience and our brand, and you know. That was a big mistake in, in the fact that, yeah, we were trying to to push an audience towards something that wasn't really of interest to them. It was it was not really surveying and understanding what the audience needed and wanted at that period of time. So when we put them into the event, yes, we, we got a, a number of signups a lot smaller than what we normally did. So that really did hurt us. And then there was other events where we were trying to figure out, okay, well, what do we sell off the back of our event? Do we sell just this all access pass, which is that upgrade, that VIP experience? And we did that for early on with with uh, um, our first four or five events. And then we realized, well, we need to have maybe some high ticket offers off the back. So we tried uh, packaging these events together uh, into a membership and selling that off the back of these events. And that was quite an experience that was quite difficult because we we didn't know how to uh, intersect a recurring revenue uh, program into the purchase like at what time in the funnel should we be exposing people to this uh, and we we tested this with three events and it wasn't until the third event that we actually got success with it the first two really failed like the conversion rates were, were abysmal compared to all the other types of sales we did and, with and our why is that? What, what was happening? Like these people would come, like what, what would the event be about? Like what might I be signing up for from a content standpoint? So, so for us, it was, we, we've already done uh, several events around the idea of generating leads and sales online. And so we knew that there was a demand from our audience who had already attended uh, several of our events and had purchased individual VIP experiences from those events. So we thought, well, what if we package it so that people could purchase all of our past events as well as any new events that we would be um, bringing to market? They kind of buy the subscription, so, essentially. Yeah, it was a subscription, exactly. So it was a monthly membership to get access to all past content as well as all future content. Mm-hmm. And they just weren't interested in that? That yes, that they were, but we just didn't uh, position it in the right way the first two times we ran the event. So I think it was the idea of uh, a recurring subscription. I think we we pushed it maybe at a point where we hadn't built that no like and trust factor with some of the new people who were coming on board and coming through that funnel. Whereas the, we should have been really positioning that to someone who had already come to a couple of our events uh, and were more likely to convert. So what I'm hearing is that if you're in the events business, you really have to build the rapport, bring the value, get people and offer something that people, um, as you say, come to like, and then consequently trust you before you earn the right to sell them anything. And, and so for, and, and it sounds like in the online world, that's a lot harder because, um, you don't have, you know, two days with the people that you've got to do it over time. Is that, is that a fair characterization? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, like just niching down, uh, you know, when we were running uh, these these events uh, for ourselves, uh, we were doing the generalized overall topic of how to generate leads and sales online. But then we we're focusing in on LinkedIn or email marketing or funnels. And and there were people that were specifically interested in, in say, funnels, but not interested in LinkedIn. So, so there were people that when we niched down, they were really interested in upgrading to the VIP experience for the funnel topic. But when it came to lead generation as a more broader topic, they weren't as interested. So that led to yeah, a lower conversion rate. So one thing I know you do with these events is you bring speakers together and that brings value obviously to the people attending and you coach these speakers and prepare them to make sure that they're going to be good. So what advice like if, you, if there were three things that you tell a speaker who might not have spoken virtually before that they need to do to be successful, what would those three things be? Yeah, sure. I think coming there with the, the, the right attitude of uh, just being authentic, being yourself uh, and being confident on stage about sharing your knowledge and experience with that audience and coming with an attitude of, I'm just going to give my very best, my very best content and energy here because a lot of these people have probably never heard of me before and if I can give my very best experience, these people are going to want to find out more about me. They want to maybe you know, stay in touch or, or connect with me or ultimately go and purchase uh, my high-end product or service. And, but and so but again, that sounds really self-evident. I mean, do you have people who don't give their best who come on? Yeah, I, th- I think that the idea is that you want to come with uh, sharing your, your very best content ah, uh, okay. in the expertise that you are known for or you want to be known for. And ultimately, what that end goal is for you may be as a speaker, well, I've got my, I want to be booked on another stage. I want to be paid for speaking. So, you know, obviously you want to be very professional at your presentation for that. But for others, it might be wanting to sell their their product program or service at the end of the day and generate leads uh, from this. So so whatever that end goal is, really think about what that is and then craft again that that talk, that that session to fulfill that goal. But at the same time, those goals aren't going to be fulfilled unless you are really bringing your very best stuff, being authentic so people feel they can connect with you. Don't hold back. <laughs> 100%. Right. So bring your best stuff. Be your, bring your best stuff. Be authentic. Think about your end goal in mind. Uh, if, if there were three, I'd probably say those three. And what would you say the three biggest mistakes that you see speakers make aside from not doing those things? Uh, yeah, coming unprepared hmm. right? uh, and not <laughs> knowing the, the, the audience that you're talking to. Right. If, you're, if you're coming uh, to speak on any stage, whether that's a, a virtual stage, podcasts or some kind of virtual event or an in-person event, I think you really need to understand, well, what is, what is your uh, target audience uh, and who you're speaking to, what are their major problems, concerns right now, and see if you can touch on some of those pain points for people and, and see how you can you can solve it for them. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, preparation, you know, we talk about that with our clients. You, you There's no substitute for actually rehearsing it, you know, and delivering it and delivering, as you've, as you've alluded to through this discussion, it is different when you're using the technology, when you've got your room set up and everything. So, yeah, you've got to put that time in. 
So Liam, I appreciate you coming on and taking the time from Malta to tell us about you know what it takes to build a successful virtual event and be a great speaker. How's your business doing now with the uh, the world on lockdown? Are you seeing a surge because uh, the need to meet virtually? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, when you see um, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, all these big corporations moving their in person events uh, to online uh, conferences, then the, the world kind of sits up and and goes, okay, well, this is now a viable option for us and. Yeah, I've been doing this for since 2015, and I I know that the major benefits really of running a virtual event are, you know, building your email list and audience, like actually gathering the list of names and ideal prospects to put into your funnel, building your own authority and rapport with that audience, connecting with the the very top influencers in your marketplace. So inviting them to be speakers, sponsors, uh, media partners in this collaborative event, which is your virtual conference, making money, uh, generating revenue from your event. And that's that's like obviously an important one, right? And that, and it's again, comes down to what is your end goal? Is it the making money from the events? Okay, well, let's bring in sponsors. Let's do virtual booths. Let's provide some VIP exclusive experiences for people and sell tickets to those? Or are we pushing people through up into, uh, you know, your high ticket offer? So those four ones are really important. And the fifth one is making an impact. So if you're an organization that's really mission driven or purpose led, and you want to have a major high impact on your ideal prospects, then running a free virtual conference or event and bringing together the top 30 experts in your market and providing all this value for free, it can really put you and all the other speakers up on a pedestal and drive business for you now, but also as we come out of uh, this, this lockdown period. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to share your expertise. If people want to learn more about what you do, maybe even attend one of your events, where would you recommend they go? Yeah, for sure. Um, entrepreneurshq.com forward slash summit. I've got a 23,000 word guide on how to uh, create and run and host your first virtual conference. So that's free. It's a blog post. You can go and check that out. It is uh, quite detailed, talks about all the tools and technology you can use, uh, as well as how to find and invite speakers and influencers to be involved in your event. So entrepreneurshq.com forward slash summit. Check that out. If people want to ask any questions, I'm open for that as well. My favorite platform is LinkedIn. I was going to say, I'm sure you're on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Liam Austin, look me up, send me a message. Uh, uh, let me know that you heard me and Bart on this uh, conversation. And yeah, happy to, to help anyone who's thinking about running their own virtual event. We've got our, our course that people can do, as well as we look at partnering with um, specific clients and doing like a results performance-based revenue share on those deals. Thanks so much for the time, Liam. Stay safe. Cheers, you too, Bart. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Liam Austin and neat that he had built this business around virtual conferences long before corona hit uh, certainly they'll probably be the only kinds that we'll be attending for months if not years to come next time on the podcast i welcome back uh, sharon zohar and i say back you haven't heard her but i actually did the interview with her before corona hit 
it wasn't recorded, so we re-recorded in the crisis. And uh, so I, I kind of had a before and after, but Sharon has a unique business called The Big Push that helps women entrepreneurs raise capital, be successful, and overcome some of the challenges that they uniquely face. And so she joins me to talk about what she does, the advice she gives to these women, and how they are showing leadership during this time. It, it's a really neat perspective that brings together entrepreneurship, venture capital, and diversity and inclusion. So tune in next time for that conversation. Thanks. Until then, be safe, be well.